Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. My name is Neil. I am your host and this is the very first episode of Mentorpreneurs and wow. You know, every every time I say this, uh, every time I do that intro, I can't believe that this is happening because we have been talking about it for a year now. And it really did take us like 2 months to get it off the ground, so we we did a lot of talking. Um but i'm really just uh honored that you the listener has tuned in because you feel like you may gain some kind of value from the conversations that we're having with these amazing people and i appreciate you thank you so much and i'd just like to uh thank everybody who reached us uh, reached out to us on our social media platforms we had so much engagement on the trailer that we released uh 2 weeks ago It's very very encouraging that we have so many people supporting us. I'd also like to thank Green Apple. Um they help get the equipment that we use to record. Uh Mac Visuals, they do all our graphics. So, uh please follow Mac Visuals on Instagram. Uh Fuzzy Treats also uh sponsored us and we are just um happy to have so many people on our team and um supporting this 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 dream, this vision. So, uh we will hop straight into it. Who do we have today? Uh man. I I I can't believe that we got this guest so early into the podcast. And what's even more amazing is that she volunteered to to do it, to do the very first episode. She is the senior pastor at Cornerstone Church. She's an author. She's got many many degrees to her name and she is a phd candidate she's a management consultant property investor she just does a whole lot of stuff she's got a whole lot of she just, yeah she she just does oh she's she's like doing everything she's also running up like i feel like if i if i continue like going through a list i might spoil the episode but uh man uh today we have Pastor Stephanie Chiangwa on on the Mentorpreneur line and it was just amazing interacting with her you know we've been talking for for a little while now and the first time actually that I spoke to her she was calling me out but what what felt very unusual about that conversation is at no point did she feel like a stranger so like it really felt like I was having a conversation with like uh, a family member right and Yeah man like she's just an amazing person to be around her energy is uh contagious that's what it is that's the word I'm I'm sure you'll be able to sense it I actually had to edit out a lot of the parts that we were laughing because like I forgot that we were doing an interview and we just started having a regular conversation So yeah I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I I did recording it um Let's get straight into it. I'm actually just realizing that I forgot to say the name of the guest. Ladies and gentlemen, our very first mentor is Pastor Stephanie Chiangwa. Okay, if you'd like to do some vocal exercises. 
Na 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 na. Yeah, I'm putting this in the final <laughs> cut. I just needed to let you know that this will appear in your podcast. So, uh, Pastor Steph, thank you for joining us today on Mentorpreneurs. Thank you for being a mentor. This is the part that you respond, ma'am. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna start that again. <laughs> <laughs> let's go okay <laughs> it makes it awkward again because now i'm nervous because i've already done the intro so you, you do you want me to like ask you to start introduce from the intro yes yeah, start from the intro let's start from the intro don't cool. be nervous why are you nervous you're a podcaster go away i am a podcaster thank you thank you for telling me this information that i should already know <laughs> cool so pastor steph thank you for joining us on mentorpreneurs Thank you for being a mentor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm, I'm super excited. I wasn't expecting to have this interview as early into the podcast as we did, but uh, I appreciate you for taking the time to, to speak to us and to share your knowledge with us. So um, tell us, how did you begin your business and entrepreneurship journey? Okay, so my business and entrepreneurship journey obviously started from when I was just an employee. So I moved to the UK when I was about 16 years old. Uh, I moved to come and join my mother. And um, ever since I was in the UK, unfortunately, I was not able to get like a professional job at 16. You know, there's only so much that you can do. Right. So I was introduced to a specific nursing home where my aunt used to work. She was a support worker there. And uh, they offered me a job as a nursing home cleaner. And it was quite a difficult job. Like by the time I would get home, I would be feeling like I've been run over by a truck because it was four floors. There was no elevator. I had to be going upstairs, collecting about six bins full of pads, you know, full of whatever else, cotton or whatever they would have used for, you know, uh, uh, supporting people that would be suffering from different uh, ailments within, you know, the, the, their body and things like that. And so I would collect six bags of rubbish, go take them downstairs, one floor, go to the next floor, go to the next floor, go to the next floor, then do the cleaning, you know, sanitize everything, disinfect everything. It was a lot of work and it would last me. I literally would do a 12 to 14 hour shift just cleaning um and uh, the money wasn't really like a lot of money it was you know a small amount of money i think at the time it was two pounds something an hour and you can imagine the amount of work that you do in an hour it was quite a painful job so as my i grew older i was able to then get a job at mcdonald's then i finally got a job as a support worker and i worked as a support worker for some years uh for different agencies as well as companies and then at the same time, I started my degree, right. my first degree. Yeah, I started my first degree and then I got a job in a medium to high secure unit. So medium high to uh, medium to high secure units. <laughs> These are places where, you know, the judge would have seen like you've committed a crime, whether arson, murder, some very horrible crimes or some very small crimes, whichever the case may be, then you're sectioned under the Mental Health Act. So they realize that as much as you've committed a crime, you're not just a, a person who's a criminal, you actually have a mental health condition that needs to be treated so that you can be sent back into the community or you end up getting treatment. And at the same time, you end up spending the rest of your life in that uh, in that unit. Anyway, so that's where I started working as a support worker. I then evolved and I became a clinical psychology 
assistant and then you know i'm giving you this background because this is what shaped my career and my decision for the for the companies that i currently run right so um mm -hmm. so as i was going uh i I became an assistant psychologist then i became a mental health advocate and then eventually i started a charity organization in 2010 i was going through such a low time between 2000 and end of 2008 to about 2011 end of 2000 so i had a two-year time of of turmoil and 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 stress and you know i was really dealing with a lot of life challenges and many people don't actually realize you know some of the things that you know people go through when they're in the diaspora you know you've got so many challenges people in the diaspora particularly those of us in the uk the system is not very you know lenient when it comes to your immigration status when it comes to you know work when it comes to uh you know paying your taxes when it's it's not an easy road for a lot of people and it's very easy for you to you know spiral down you know many people that come here they have a five to 10 year plan. I want to get there, get my education, get a good job, work mm-hmm. hard, build back home. But it never turns out to be like that. 20, 30, 40 years later, people are still in the diaspora. They are embroiled in debts. They have all sorts of different things going on. So at that time, I was going through my own uh, you know, time of wilderness, if I may put it. And it was so bad. It was, I, I can't even call it a trial, but... Um, you know, that's when I really started to develop my relationship with God. It was it, my relationship with God was solidified. Uh, bearing in mind, I had been a Christian for about ten years at this stage, but my relationship with God was strengthened by the hardship, and I took it as maybe God was trying to bring me closer. That's why He put me in this zone. Correct. So, at, in that zone, in that time, and amazingly, it's the times when I'm feeling my lowest that I birth all these things. So in that time when I was feeling my lowest, I then birthed Help Us Help Ourselves. Uh, We've got our website, helpushelpourselves.org. And we started taking care of orphans. We've done projects with women. We've done quite a lot of things. And I don't really want to get into into the details of it because I believe whatever you do with your right hand, the left hand should not know. But for the purposes of this podcast, I just decided to mention a few things. Anyway, um, with that organization, I was also able to start doing dinners. And these were specific for the charity organization. So these were self-funded dinners. This is me in my early 20s. And I'm already bringing, you know, musicians from Zimbabwe applying for visas. And people getting six months on their passports. They're able to come. So I brought Tembalami, I brought Lloyd Tevidai and Muniwa Hood on the first one. We mm-hmm. had a sold out shore in the, in the center of London. People came to support, people donated. You know, it was a very nice event. Then uh, I think a couple of years later, I brought Maraba, Kapupi and Lloyd Tevidai again. And many people don't even know I was the only one that ever brought Maraba and Kapupi to the UK. And I'm hoping I'll be able to do it again, you know, at some point when I get back into it. But anyway, so that showed me that I was able to achieve anything because just putting those uh, events together, it was so challenging. It was the most difficult thing. And at this time, I've already done a second degree. You know, I'm now looking to do a third degree and, you know, I'm now looking to shape my career. But at this time, because my mind moves at like one billion miles per hour. 
So I had all these ideas. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. I started a poetry project. I started keeping goats. You know, I had people doing this for me in Zimbabwe, but then I'm in the UK. So it's really mm. hard to manage. Then right. you wake up one day and then you're told, ah, uh, you know, this. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I was just gonna ask you to say that again. Okay, yep. So, anyway, yeah, cool. so you wake up, but I understand like when people report, yeah. there's, there's like sometimes you can't express something as well as you do in China. Yeah, so you wake up in the morning and what I've just said in Shona is you wake up in the morning and you find out, you know, that the chickens have all died, they have this disease or this has happened to the goats and then, you know, you, you it's just challenges and because you're not on the ground, you can't do anything about it because, you know, you're, 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 you feel powerless. So you start to become hopeless and so I started doing a lot of business networking. I started meeting very influential Zimbabweans within the UK. I would attend a lot of Zimbabwean events. I would try and network as much as possible. And then at some point, um, you know, as I was doing these events, I really wanted to continue, but I experienced a lot of cyberbullying from a specific individual who now owns a newspaper. He partnered up with someone who's very prominent in the community. Like mm -hmm. she's someone who a lot of people respected at the time. And I was in my early 20s and this lady is like my mother's age. And she, you know, they are partnering up to come after me over something that was so trivial, you know, something I would never do, something so outside of my, my character. But, you know, it's very easy when you're in my position because people assume have this really terrible misconception and they think that because I am my father's daughter that I have this uh, protection or I am made out of steel. And yet people don't know your story, you know. I was raised by a single mother. I lived with my father for a, a, a very small part of my life, like I think when I was nine till when I was 16, when I came to live with my mother. The rest of my life, I've always lived with my mother. My mother is an ordinary woman, you know. We lived in Chitungiza. I went to Fungisai Primary School. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I once started a business when I was really young. I think I was like seven. I started selling freezes. I wrote about it on my social media. I, I, me and the neighbor organized to do freezes business. So we'd go buy freezes, freeze them up, then take them to the bus stop and would lift, lift our freezes up when the bus is coming, you know, in, in, in Chitungiza, unit F and C, you know, that the bus stop by, 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 by unit F and C. I'm sure some people listening in will know it. And so, you know, I had this little hustler in me since I was a young child, but <laughs> you never really know what you are until you are that. Anyway, uh, I've got a question so, before you continue, ma'am. Okay, I go hate on. speaking over my guest, but it's I have, okay. I have so many questions. So <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. You've been going for a while. So. I know, I know, um, <laughs> and I can rumble on. No, okay, no, that's cool. great. That's, that's great. I, I'm actually enjoying this. I'm just uh, so engaged listening that uh, if I didn't write these down, I would have forgotten what I needed to ask you because I'm like so oh, okay. engaged and in the conversation. Yeah. So uh, just a little bit of context before I ask my question. Maraba and Kapupi are... Zimbabwean. These are Zimbabwean comedians. Yep, these are Zimbabwean comedians. They're yeah, quite prominent, yeah. you know. We grew up watching these guys, so I was very inspired and I really wanted to make a difference, you know, to people that I felt like were legends within our society that may be overlooked. I actually did an awards show at the event that they came to and I gave mm -hmm. Kapupi a Lifetime Achievement Award um as well as other people but anyway yeah 
kudos to you for that, ma'am. I, I I also grew up on them, which is crazy because we are probably from different generations. So uh, you spoke about your father. Um, so this is an international show. Um, there are people who don't uh, know who your father is. So um, just give us a little bit of context. Okay, so my dad has been a businessman for, I would say, 40 years now. And um, he, he's been successful in a lot of ways. He's, you know, employed and taken care of, I would say, upward of over 100,000 families. I don't know anyone that's successful in Zimbabwe in whatever industry or capacity that doesn't reference him being part of their success story uh, in one way or the other. He is uh, the founder of what's called Affirmative Action Group, which was the first black empowerment organization after independence that really promoted and, and really gave birth to a lot of black millionaires, women and men. You know, he is a very inspiring man. He eventually uh, emerged and went into politics with his career, but he has always stayed true to himself. He is a businessman. He, he, he runs private companies, not really ever done business with uh, the government, except serve as a member of parliament in one way or the other. Um, otherwise, he is a businessman. He brought Michael Jackson to Zimbabwe. He has done so much. He managed Kilimanjaro. Um, he has done a lot. You know, I could go on and on about this amazing uh, man. And yeah, so because of his success, a, a lot of people just have this assumption that we are benefiting from him. You know, we are always getting things easy and he's just this person that spoon feeds us and things like that, of which that's not the case. He is actually a very strict person and we got cut off uh, very early in our lives. You know, he, he wants us to make it on our own. So yeah, that's who he is. I don't know if, if that covers it. <laughs> All right, great. So we were talking about how you were uh, being bullied uh, by the media and this is- Yes, okay. so, so, so it wasn't particularly targeting me because of my dad. It was people leveraging the fact that I'm my dad's daughter. So just because I'm my dad's daughter doesn't mean that I'm not going to have personality clashes with people. I'm probably going to interact with you. We're probably not going to get along on everything because no one is perfect. You understand? No, we get along on almost everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's me and you. Yes. But then with other people, we sometimes... We have a big announcement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with other people, you know, I can have a misunderstanding with someone. It doesn't mean the misunderstanding is rooted in the fact that I'm my father's daughter. So it's very hard for me to try and get people to see me for me. Um, it's, it's, it's a very painful thing because everyone wants to be understood. No one wants to be misunderstood. Everyone, no matter where you're coming from, you just want that person that, or people, people to understand and get you. And right. it wasn't the same for me. So whenever I would have a misunderstanding with someone, someone would really want to come and sort of destroy me, pounce on me, do petitions to get me deported from a country, things like that. And this was supposed to be this way. These, all these people are my mom's age. Like this is someone in their 50s, you know, right. and I'm thinking I'm just and you partner up. The, the There were three of them. And one day I will share that story and actually name them and say exactly what they did, because it took me into a place of depression. I disengaged from the Zimbabwean community completely. 
I uh, stopped doing my dinners, stopped bringing people into the country. I just disengaged. I started living a very private, very guarded life because I couldn't believe. Because you know when you grow up a certain way and you've got people around you, my mother had to teach me, and she's like the most influential person in my, in my life. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, listen, just because you have a good heart doesn't mean the person that's on the other side also has a good heart. So you have to guard your heart because when I operate, like when I'm talking to you, Neil, I'm talking to you from a place of trust because I'm trustworthy. So my judging of you is not based on you. It's based on me because I assume this is how a person is supposed to be like. So, but Mm -hmm. then you don't then realize that because you are like that, it doesn't mean another person is also like that. Right. So right. so I suppose that's that's where I'm coming from in regards to that. So it was a very painful time. Mm-hmm. And now I'm so strict when it comes to my mental health because it's very easy for people to bully you into, into depression. You know, you can have extending uh, mental health problems. You can have low self-esteem because people have bashed you, people have attacked you, people have come after your character and you start to question yourself. And at this time, I'm already in ministry. As you can see, most of my guests were gospel musicians. So I was already serving in the church. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people that would come and and, uh, and support my events were people from the church. So I was already serving as, a, as an usher, then I was a treasurer, then I was a, a secretary, then I was a national... Um, chairperson and things like that. So I was already serving in the church. And, you know, you already feel like I'm already looking for God. I'm already having this relationship with God. I'm a prayerful person. And you're just trying to be the best version of yourself. No one is perfect, as I said. But then when people then come without knowing you and attack your personality and attack your character, without knowing you, it wasn't an easy thing, if I can tell you. And I really prayed that God helps me to forgive those people. I really prayed that I get the ability to release them because what they did was so unnecessary. And up to today, they don't know the level of damage that they caused. They don't know the level of, you know, you can you can, you can can think that you're just commenting on social media or you're just saying what you feel about a person. You don't know how you are impacting someone and so that really made me feel so disengaged but the disengagement as i said in my lowest times that's when god really shows up so in those in that in that disengagement that's when i focused on myself and i started to work towards what we now know as pastor stephanie chiangwa and the various uh projects that i'm working on as well as the church (laughs) so yeah uh, I'm gonna let you ask your next question because I can I can rumble on. I'm a pastor, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm glad that uh, you said one day I will uh, name drop these people, and that one day is not today, or else I wouldn't be able to release this episode. Um, <laughs> what was your uh, state of mind when you decided that you needed to block out all these voices and look after yourself, and then continue to achieve the amazing things that you you've now come to achieve if i was to explain to you that when i was going through depression this was my state of mind i'd be lying to you 
to be very honest with you, you don't realize that you're actually depressed until you realize that you're depressed. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to hear from anyone. I switched off my social media. I used to have, you know, 5,000 plus friends on Facebook. I, I shut down that account. I completely disengaged. I stopped going to any events. There are so many people in the UK now who think that I live in Africa. They don't even know I'm still in the country for over 10 years now. They don't know that I'm actually still in the UK. That's how I disengaged. I have two mm -hmm. friends, two people that I classify as these are my friends. And anyone that tries to come into my life to be a friend, they have to go through a specific set of tests. And if they don't, you know, uh, if I just feel some type of way, then I cut them off because I'm now so, I'm extra guarded. And I know it's not a nice thing, but I'm, you know, I, I had to take those measures. And it's not a nice thing to live a life of paranoia. So, you know, it created a lot of trust issues for me. I don't know what people's intentions are. You know, I felt like, why me? That's, that's the exact question I was asking. Do these people know my struggles? Do these people know that at this present moment, probably I have less than two pounds in my bank account and no access to any kind of help or no access to any kind of money? Do these people know that I probably have so many debts? Do these people know the challenges that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, why would someone want to be this evil and this cruel to someone? Uh, and these are people that I was looking up to. These are people that I genuinely thought that they were, you know, very positive people. And I had done, you know, a lot of things with them that were very positive. So I was shocked that, you know, people can be like that. It was not a nice place at all. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, I have uh, really never uh, contemplated uh, taking my own life. And I have to thank God for that because it's sometimes, you know, you can start to feel like I just don't want to be there. Uh, I just don't want to be around. That's how bad things got. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm glad you spoke about that because I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we had a conversation where we were, uh, talking about how people try to make you feel bad if they feel like you come from a point of privilege and you've had everything handed to you and mm. and we we agree that you know it's 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 ridiculous for even if you are in a point of uh, like in a position of privilege to not leverage and take advantage of that situation so and it's it's not your choice that you are born into the families that you're born to like the same exactly. is not their choice that they're born into the family that they're born in. So um, mm -hmm. I actually don't understand that. Uh, I don't understand why anyone would try and make somebody else feel bad for a choice they had no uh, participation in. Like they didn't even like choose it. They just happened to be there. It's, it's completely up to chance for those who believe mm -hmm. in chance and for uh, people like yourself, then it's uh, all part of God's plan. So I'm, I'm glad that you spoke about it. So let's talk about, um, what you're venturing in now? What is it that you are doing in terms of the the business side? I I read somewhere that you are doing consultancy. Okay, so I have a few projects that I'm working on at the moment. So I right. finished my my education. I went all the way to master's level. I did a master's in public health, um, mm. and then now I'm doing a PhD in epidemiology. And um, I, I just <sighs> continue piling up all these qualifications why would you do uh, that because, to yourself 
to be very honest with you, um, like I said, people don't know what how a person grew up and the challenges that they mm-hmm. had, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go through this phase where people attack you and you feel like you become this overachiever because you feel like you've got a point to prove. Mm. And so I became that person. I, I had this point to prove. But then now it's like, I just love it. I love educating myself. You know, I love expanding my knowledge. I love, you know, um, you know, putting myself through education. I love it. I, it's, it's, I got past the point of having to prove myself to anyone. And now it's just about me. And what I want is to be the best version of myself. So I don't really mind going through education. I don't really mind going through, you know, whatever I have to go through. You know, a, a PhD, you know, it's not full time. It's not infringing in whatever I'm doing. So, you know, I, I, I just do it. Uh, I, it. At some point, I will finish my PhD and I will be at a different stage. Um, so in regards to my project, so I have a company called Octomed. Um, so it's a healthcare business. I'm not really going to go too deep into uh, some of the arms that it's working on now. I want to just talk about what's, what, 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 what is actually in production. So it's, it's, well, well, as part of my career journey, I then found myself working as a senior project manager in clinical research. And right. uh, it really opened my eyes. It really, really exposed me to a lot. We work with the top 20 big pharmaceutical companies uh, in the world. I was a global project manager. I managed to work with people in Japan, China, the United States, all over Europe. You know, it was quite an experience. And as part of that, I'm always seeing opportunities. And when I went back to Zimbabwe, I realized that, you know, there was a lot lacking in regards to the healthcare industry. So that's when we registered Optimate. So it's actually a company fully registered in Zimbabwe. And so is Zobito, mm-hmm. which is the management consultancy. Company. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's the, it's the management consultancy. So with Optimate, we're currently working on uh, clinical research and we're about to release uh, products for just specific for black women uh, uh their fertility their 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 uh fertility health if that makes sense <laughs> so we're right, looking right, at right, right. addressing issues such as fibroids we're looking at addressing issues such as polycystic ovary syndrome you know the 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 the, the fertility of a black woman is an attacked area we have a, a one one to four chance uh, four to one chance of dying as opposed to a white woman though that's research done in america so i did not know that yes so so it's 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 something that is quite uh quite a terrible thing and the other area that we're focusing on is obviously mental health because of my many years of experience within that industry it grew on me i am quite passionate about mental health i also Mm -hmm. offer professional counseling so I lived in Canada for about a year and a half between 2016 and 2018. So um, I birthed a consultancy company for mental health, not consultancy, counseling company. I was counseling specific individuals and I grew that. And I'm also developing that in Zimbabwe as well, because I feel like it's an area that's so necessary. We don't particularly have a lot of professional counselors that address issues from a holistic perspective. So, um, and then my management consultancy, um, that started when I was trying to navigate my way into Africa with my businesses. And I really struggled. And then I went to the 
Euro, Euro, U, UEFA uh, World Championships or something, UEFA Championships, I yes, think it's called. Yes, yes, the one <laughs> yes, sponsored so by my, Heineken. Heineken, exactly. if you're listening to this podcast, please. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it was the best thing ever. My dad took me there. My dad is now the Kosasa football president. He was the Zimbabwe football president at some point. You know, he was... Uh, uh, campaign manager for Patrice Motsepe. So he's really quite influential. He brought the FIFA president to Zimbabwe. He's really been, you know, doing amazing things. So he's mm-hmm. also my inspiration in regards to breaking ground and really going for it. Um, so anyway, he took me to the UEFA Championship sponsored by Heineken, as you put it. Yes. And uh, I had the VIP treatment, you know, staying in the lounge. Uh-huh. Uh, meeting the footballers, things like that. It was a, such a such a, a nice experience. I networked. I met uh, different, you know, people from multi-choice, people from different industries, football presidents from other countries and things like that. So right. I then realized the need for, you know, a consultancy because as part of my clinical research uh, job, we were mostly consultants. And I also realized that for a person to be able to invest, my desire was, to open up the space for someone to be comfortable to come with their business to Zimbabwe because I noticed and realized a lot. So I mm-hmm. really wanted for someone not to have, go through the hassle of, you know, uh, applying for a license because there's red tape in every single door that you have to go through before your business can become legitimized. So mm-hmm. I realized that let me offer, you know, the service where we, we can go through the red tape for someone and all they have to do is bring their investments and, and run it and it's smooth and things like that. Um, then I also then had... Um, at American Express, and I got a platinum card. And, you know, the experience that you got from the American Express platinum card is amazing because you get a concierge service. You know, if you if, if Serena Williams was playing at Wimbledon, you could literally call American Express concierge service and say, I want to attend, even though the tickets say sold out, they will probably have some and they'll make it happen as long as you can just afford it. So if they come back to you and say 10,000 pounds, as long as you can afford it, you know, they will make it happen for you. So that concierge service was part of what I wanted to, to, to bring into the management consultancy so that people don't have just service, but they also have experience. Wow. So even when people ask me, how much do you charge per hour? I say a specific amount because I'm not offering you consultancy. I'm offering you an experience. Mm. So, you know, yeah. So even the people that we work with, they are very hardworking, extremely meticulous when it comes to understand our ethos. Our ethos is we get everything done. Our ethos is we have to make sure we deliver. So that's 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 the management consultancy. Uh, on top of that, I also have a restaurant. Are you going to ask the questions? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ask the questions. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. okay, cool. So you have this new baby. Uh, and I'm excited about this one because this is one of our uh one of the things that we bond on you're a foodie i'm a foodie and my love for food is starting to show um i've put on 20 kilos in the last uh year or so. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I think everybody did. I think everybody did during COVID. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's become very difficult to hide. My dad was laughing at me the other day. <laughs> My entire family is just shocked. No, actually, you know, to be honest, I'm just as surprised as they, as they are. Because I was 65 <laughs> at one point and I went under the scale and it's like 85. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Where did it come from? <laughs> so, so you you've got a restaurant that I am dying to try. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go back to Zim, uh, of course. So, uh, tell us about your restaurant. Okay, so the restaurant we've actually closed our doors for now. Uh, we're opening in a couple of months okay. because we're doing renovations. So obviously during COVID, we couldn't offer some of the things that we really want to offer on the menu. So we have like really delicious, really it's a steakhouse. So, you know, we, we, we've got the best steak in the country and we also wanted to introduce seafood. But because of COVID, when things shut down, we mm-hmm. couldn't get the seafood uh, imported into the country. So we obviously had to uh, shut down and then reopen. And now we're re-strategizing and getting ready to receive our seafood. So we serve lobster. We serve really delicious, you know seafood platters it's everything that i love i'm a foodie so <laughs> it's everything that i love um so myself um and a chef that used to work uh for our family we we got together and we created this amazing menu he is you know what zimbabwe has some really effective educated very experienced human beings and i'm mm-hmm. so blessed to work with all of these people because Without them, none of my projects would be actually working. So anyway, we got together with the chef. We created this menu. So we'd, you know, buy ingredients when I was in Zim. Would go to the shops, buy ingredients, cook something. Then would start adding things, adding things. So I know every single thing that's on the menu. I love every single thing that's on the menu. I did a taster with a few family members and you know a few friends. Yeah, I wasn't uh, invited. And, mm-hmm. I don't count <laughs> you were, as friends. You were not in the country, so I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> I, no, but like, don't you guys have like doggy bags? Because like you could have like no, just flown something over. Not, not to Germany. <laughs> No, sorry. But heart. when you come, uh-huh. when you come, I'll make, I'll let you try everything on the menu. Oh wow! Okay, I'm really yeah. excited. Cool. Yeah. So we created the menu, and we we you know we've got a specific target market. A lot of people don't understand when you're doing business. Make sure you've got a target market. Don't target everyone. So start with a specific group of people whose problem you want to solve. Mm-hmm. Then allow that thing to grow out on its own let it be organic in its growth when you try and uh you know push a mountain when you've never even you know pushed a a hill that's when you burn out and you stop your business and you close your show and you close shop that's where most people get it wrong so we started with a very specific clientele we wanted you know specific individuals that were within our sphere of influence and you know we really didn't want to go all hard on marketing and you know doing all these big things no we wanted a specific group of people to be able to come and have an experience everything that i talk about is about an experience because i value experiences like i have one life to live i want to experience my life when i eat my steak i want to eat 
enjoy every single bite. Mm. I want to taste the juices of that steak. I want to really chew it. And, you know, by the time I'm sleeping, I want to be feeling fulfilled in, you know, my meal and everything. So everything has to be an experience, even when you eat, even when you, you know, uh, drive, whatever you do, try and make it an experience as much as possible. So, yeah. Uh, did I mention that vegan? <laughs> yeah, you can come and have, we've got a vegan uh, section on the menu. So oh, someone who's vegan, yep, someone who's vegan actually influenced uh, the vegan part. They were really pushing for me to change to become vegan, which which is uh, interesting. <laughs> it, it is a fascinating thing. Cool. Um, so you have uh, a group where you mentor uh, women. Yes, yes. Lotus Lotus. Lady. Lotus lady. Yes. Okay. So the lotus flower that was birthed from the lotus flower, how it's just able to grow out of the hardest of places and break forth and bloom and look like this beautiful thing. And, you know, I looked at my life and I saw how I have been through so much hardship and I continue like things are not easy for me, if I can put it that way. And everything that I get, I have to fight for. And I right. know that was the story for a lot of women. So I thought, let me create, let me bring us together and let's empower each other. Let's, you know, motivate each other. Let's encourage each other so that even when you're going through that tough time, even when you're going through that painful time, even when it looks like the concrete is prop up, set up and, you know, you can't break forth, you can break forth. So that's how we birthed Lotus Lady. Mm. And uh, it's it, it's it's done so many conferences in Zimbabwe, the Metamorphosis Conference that we did. And, um, you know, it's it's been such an amazing journey. Um, you know, I, if I keep going about the project that I'm working on now, you wouldn't believe it. But we also have a production company called Signature that I recently launched with. Uh, we registered it and we're working on a lot of projects with a, a good friend of mine called Flint Flint Bedrock. Oh, yeah, he that is, happened. Uh, like, weren't you like yeah. talking about it like a few weeks ago? Yes, exactly. We've already fully registered. Oh, we're now goodness. working on projects and oh my you know yep yep uh so it, it's quite an exciting thing I, I i love getting excited i'm writing you know books i've got three books to launch uh in the next coming months and i i, I always want to keep myself going and now i'm writing uh children's books Suronagudo, at the same time you know getting uh getting them animated I'm and things like that <laughs> I am <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so it's just uh it's just an exciting journey you have this one life to live and that's what i told myself i have this one life to live i faced mm-hmm. a lot of challenges a lot of hurt a lot of disappointment a lot of pain the right. best thing that i can do is what i can control i will mm-hmm. control it and i will bring out the best out of it and so there is no limit. I can, you know, my dad has run over 50 companies in his lifetime. I want wow. to do triple, if not quadruple that. Um, my, my desire is to impact as many people's lives as possible. So whatever my father did, I can do better. I can do more. And I know that's his prayer for me. And the my biggest prayer warrior, obviously, being my mother. And there's nothing greater than a mother's prayer. So... She is my rock and my solid, uh, my solid support, if that makes sense. <laughs> right. You know what? I, yeah. I just realized, uh, I mean, we, we probably have already run out of time, but there is something that I, I would like to know. 
Mm-hmm. So you uh, mentioned that you are currently staying in the UK, and mm-hmm. most of the companies that you're doing are in Zimbabwe. So yeah. how how do you uh, manage the dynamics of not being present, uh, physically present in um, these spaces that you're running these businesses, and how do you select your team? Because I I'm imagining that you must have uh, the right people. Uh, partners that uh, you've been able to uh, probably people who share the same vision as you to be able to uh, take this uh, project in the direction that you imagined it or at least anywhere in alignment to how you're imagining it or how you envisioned it. So how do you do that? I think that's a very important question that we would we would have done a a disservice if we didn't ask that question. Okay, so for Zimbabwe, it's as if I'm there, even though I'm not there. Um, so the people that surround me and the people that help me with my projects are extremely loyal people. So um, like attracts like, if that makes sense. I'm a very loyal person. If, if, if you're in my life, loyalty, I actually wrote a book called Loyalty and your God be my God because there is, a, there is loyalty, then there's a different level of loyalty where... You understand the person's pain. You understand their joy. Your one ambition is to make that person's dreams come true. And I've been so blessed to be surrounded by people that are similar to me in that sense. They would give anything to make sure that my dreams come true. And when I tell them the vision, they take on the vision as though it's their vision. So, you know, it's it's about getting people that are honest. But if I'm being... If I'm being honest with you, and I'm a business person, I I think you've encountered me in so many places, but I've never been overly religious. But I'll tell you, when I pray, God hears my prayer. That's That's the one thing I am confident of. He is faithful to me even when I'm unfaithful. So I always prayed and I said, God, give me loyal people because I've been through too much already you know I need loyal people. And Mm -hmm. I've just been so blessed to have people that are just so loyal. None of them come with expectations. If I tell them we're starting this business, there is no capital. People can work for years, two years without getting anything because they understand the vision. So imagine the time that, you know, things have blown up and things are now working and money is coming in. The first reward I always give those individuals is to give them shares within the business so that they are also empowered, you know, so that Mm -hmm. they they understand Mm -hmm. that you stood with the vision. It's not my vision. It's our vision. And so, yeah, that's what I can just say. Wow. Uh, Pastor Steph, thank you so much for being uh, on the show. We always catch up with our mentors, so we will be having you back and we will be counting <laughs> how many projects that you've gotten your hands into. Some of the listeners might want to contact our mentors. Uh, how can we reach you? So I've got my website, uh, stephaniechiangwa.com. I also have all my social media, Stephanie Chiangwa. It's only on Twitter where I've got at Steph Chiangwa, but Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, it's all Stephanie Chiangwa. Even on Twitter, it's Stephanie Chiangwa. But when, when you do the at, that's when it's Steph Chiangwa. So you can find me on all social media platforms or you can contact me via my website on my 
on most of my pages, you will find my personal assistant's number there. Um, she can make it happen if you want us to have a meeting, a conversation, if you want to join any of our institutions, if you feel like you want to partner with us or you've got an idea, those that are singers, musicians, we really want you at Signature Production, actors. Mm-hmm. We're currently mm-hmm. working on a musical, a Penina and Hannah musical. So that's quite exciting for me. So yeah, um, I'm available, uh, www.stephaniechiangwa.com uh, or on all social media platforms. That's where you can get me. We love it. Uh, thank you so much for, for being here. Well, this marks the very end of episode one and just amazing. Um, the conversation was, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm sure if you've gotten to the end of this episode, I'm hoping that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, Stay tuned. We have different mentors coming from all corners of the world. So it's it's going to be very exciting. Uh, Maybe I should drop a spoiler. But nah, 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 nah. Come back in two weeks and you'll find out who our next mentor is. Have a great week. Stay blessed.